Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, we'll try to answer any questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291-6901. You want to be part of the Automotive Hour? And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure appreciate it when you do that. It makes the show a whole lot more interesting. Yeah, and it does. So just give us a call, 291-6901. Put you right on up to the top of the list. Get your questions answered. There you go. At least get some mumbo jumbo that sounds like an answer. There you go. (laughs) I thought we would talk a little bit today. One of the more prevalent email that I receive and also a question we used to get a lot at the shop is, my car has X miles. Okay. Just pick a number, 30,000, 60,000, 90,000, whatever. What should I do to it? Now, that is one of those things where there's really no clear-cut answer right it's kind of a loaded question yeah we're going to get to that in just a second let's go to our phone lines we've got david on the line good morning david hey david you there hello hey think we got a problem with david we always have a topic of some sort uh-huh. but you don't ever have to go with just that one thing if you got something else on your mind give us a call 291-6901 be glad to try to help you out and check whatever you might need right <laughs> <laughs> but the answer to that every vehicle is operated in a different manner right each one is unique They're all unique. The things that are going to go wrong with them and the things that they are going to require are going to be different. Depending on how the vehicle has been maintained in the past, Mm -hmm. how the vehicle is actually being used in the present. That's exactly right. And I think where a lot of the blame for this, if you got to assume a blame, comes from the fact that a lot of dealerships thought they could sort of compartmentalized services and make uh-huh. it more palatable to people. So they came out with a 30,000-mile service, 60,000-mile service, 90,000-mile service. And while that's not useless, it, it it does serve a function because it keeps you from forgetting about things. But there is no set number of things that every car is going to need at a set mileage. Exactly. My Camry, for instance, has got 80,000 miles on it. And the last time we had it in for a general inspection, the brakes look like brand new. Right. Well, this is an 18 model, and it has been on the highway most every of mile. its life. Yeah. yeah, every mile. So the brakes on my car are not worn at all at 80,000 miles. Now, let's compare that to a person who drives primarily in town, stop and go, stop and go. And sure. add to that, maybe they're a little bit of an aggressive driver. At 40,000 miles, they may have been metal on metal. Sure. Very possible. So you can't say, well let's replace the brakes at this many miles or let's replace anything at so many miles. You know, it's it's a much, much more involved thing than that. We're going to talk more about that. Let's go back and see if we can get David online. Good morning, David. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Hey, I've got a 2012 Ford Fusion, mm-hmm. and uh, i got good tires, Michelin Defenders on it, and I've got cupping just on one tire. It, uh, I haven't rotated them. Mm-hmm. at all since i bought them but you know they got like 30 or forty thousand miles on yeah. them. but just one tire the the driver's side and the rear has severe cupping mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know I, I looked at the shocks and they look good but i'm not i don't see any wet spots or anything but that's the only thing that seemed to suggest online was that it was shock and you know david that is almost never the case you know where that comes from is that people see cupped up tires and leaking shocks quite often. So they assume that the shock caused the tire. In actuality, it's more the reverse. The beat-up tire beat the shock to death. So I find that it is rarely, if ever, because we do a lot of that kind of work, and we come across that quite a bit, and I find it's rarely, I do often see 
leaking shocks with chopped up tires. But I've never seen the shock causing the tire chop. More likely, the thing has got some kind of alignment issue. And you see, if it were a front tire, because the front tires can be turned, it would chop both tires equally. Because if, let's say, the toe was off on the front left, it's not going to be off on the left front. It's going to equalize between the two tires. The steering wheel is going to move, and it's going to chop both front tires. But on the rear, it doesn't do that. If you got the one rear wheel pointing straight ahead, and you're holding the two front wheels straight ahead, then the fourth tire is kind of dragging down the road. So I'm going to assume that it's some kind of an alignment sort of an issue. Now, that doesn't mean it's just the alignment causing problems. It's just something in the alignment would be the most common cause of that. What you would need to do is take somebody have a, do a proper four-wheel alignment, and I emphasize the word proper. But, yeah, what they need to do is go in, check the alignment on the rear, set the rear to the chassis, and then set the front to the rear, where all four wheels are trailing straight. But, yeah, that's almost always going to be a rear end problem because, like I said, on the front, it'll, it'll wear both tires evenly. But okay, so I, I probably have, need to take it to some kind of... It would be best to take it to an alignment specialty shop who knows what they're doing. And and I'm not saying that tire stores don't know what they're doing, but very often they turn over a lot of personnel. And the guy who's aligning your car has been there for three weeks, and the guy who trained him had been there a month before, and the guy who trained him was there for six months. You know, you find a guy who's been doing alignments for 40 years. Now, that's the guy who can help you, you know? Right. Okay. Should I... uh get two new tires in the rear and like immediately after i get you, the alignment i would suggest it because chopping in a tire is not ever going to go away it's, it's the tire is worn irregularly and it will eventually beat the shock to death if you hadn't already because the, the, the shock is trying to plant that tire to the road and it's bouncing so it's going to okay. beat the shock to death so it would probably be cheaper to go ahead and you know bite the bullet and I mean, if you're not going to rotate, you can leave it on the rear. You could replace the one tire if the other one's okay. I mean, you couldn't do that on the front because you'd end up with a with a pull, and you could end up with a rotation problem where you can't rotate if you don't. But it's not necessary. Definitely, if the other tire looks good, you could just put one new tire. But safest would right. be to put two tires. And it would be best to take it to your alignment specialist with the tires that are presently on. Yeah, leave so that tire so he can those. see what it's right. doing. He can actually take a look at it and judge, hey, just because the machine is in the green doesn't make the alignment correct. Right. And you find out with a lot of inexperienced shops, it you go in, you ask for an alignment, they put it on the machine, everything is in the green. When it comes up on the screen, you see the green or red. Red is out of alignment, out of specification. Green is in specification. But it doesn't matter where it's at in the specification. Right. And and what's worse than that, if it's not readily adjustable, let's say you hit something with that wheel and you bent something slightly. Normal alignment check, well, there's no adjustment, no reason to check it. I see that all the time. Right. Which is stupid. You got to check it because if it's out, you got to fix what's wrong. You know, it was built in alignment. It'll be back in alignment. But we see it all the time where a wheel hits something and it bends something slightly. There's no adjustment, so you just don't even bother checking it. All, all right. right. Well, I'll do that. Thank you very much, and I really appreciate your show. I listen usually to podcasts every week. Oh, very Wonderful. good. Well, thanks for calling, David. Where are you calling from? All right. Thank you. Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, very, oh, very good. Well, thanks for calling, man. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Right, let's see if we can catch another line before we go right. to break. We got John online. Good morning, John. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. I called you before about the fact that I was concerned that they'd taken the transmission cooler off the Toyota Tundra. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. And I listened to what you responded. And I've got a couple of more questions okay, that sure. applies to that. Mm-hmm. One is, I'm wondering when you're putting fluid back into the car, mm-hmm. transmission fluid, Yes, sir. what is level? Because... You can level the bottom of the pan. You can level the frame. You can level different things. What is 
what do does the Toyota manufacturer do when he's putting fluid in there? Well, what is that, the way we I can't say with Toyota deal because every dealer does it their own way. But what we do is we level the body of the car because the transmission should be level when the body of the car is level, so it's bolted right to it. Now, if it's not, then you got a separate issue that you got to correct. I mean, it certainly wouldn't hurt to level the body of the car and then go in and throw a level on the pan also. You know, I can't hurt. But what I like to do is measure down from the rocker panels and compare side to side. From the rocker panel down to the lift, in our case, because we've got a wheel lift that we put on when we're doing trans services. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the same front to rear, but it has to be the same side to side. And both, you know, it has to be constant all throughout to be considered level. Okay. So would it be okay just to do the pan? You could. You certainly could. I mean, if the, if the bottom of that pan is level, the car should be level because it's all bolted together. And, I mean, it's, it's not very difficult to throw a little level on that. Yeah, that, that, w- that would certainly serve serve the same purpose. Yeah. And the other thing, the other question I have mm-hmm. is it applies to all of the hoses that are attached to the transmission. Yeah. Uh, when do you know it's time to change? You know, John, that's that's a good question. I mean, obviously, like any other hose, it will break down over time. What traditionally people do is when they start to leak is when they get addressed. And by leak, I don't mean necessarily actively dripping. If I've got a sweat, wet spot around the connection where the rubber goes to the metal, then I know they are going to leak soon. And because I don't want this hose blowing off going down the highway, I would recommend replacement at that point. You can certainly squeeze them, and they're, they're a lot tougher than, say, a radiator hose. radiator hose would be. But you don't want it to be hard as a brick where it's brittle. You or don't want crunchy. it to be spongy, and you don't want it to be crunchy. So you can kind of squeeze it. You can look at it. You can make sure they're not cracked or anything like that. You can also rub your finger on the outer coating, and if the black rubber transfers to your finger then the rubber's breaking down. Yeah, I see. see that. Well, the, the other thing, too, is when you're putting these hoses on to mm-hmm. these hard lines, they have an increase in diameter, or what I'm gonna, I call it a knot, uh-huh. and then it's, yeah, it's a barb. An inch further down, and that, that first knot is maybe an eighth an inch of an inch from the end, right? and then the next knot is maybe a, an inch or an inch and a quarter further down. Mm-hmm. So... My thinking is the expectation would be that you put it on all the way up to the second knot. Normally, that second bump, it. yeah, is indicates to the manufacturer that's a stop, and it's got to be over, and the clamp goes between the two. I mean, the easiest thing is to measure the old one, how it was put, and just put it back the same way the old one was. Well, there is no old. These are new hard lines that go on because of the transmission cooler. Oh, you're adding a cooler. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, as long as there is a barb, which is going to secure the thing the clamp has right. to be past the barb and i would assume what they're talking about there is you're pushing it up to the second bar show you that's not going on too far with it and okay. then the clamp goes but you have to have a bar behind the clamp right. so that it holds the diameter to where it can't go back over that barb right all right that satisfies my question thank all you right. very much i'm john right, right, we're going to take our first quick little break be right back with more in the automotive hour if you Ever plan to motor west? Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. 
It just says Fallon. Oh no, it's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair, deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going. Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back. Just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Fume Tools, we'll try to answer any questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291-6901. There you go. And we were talking a little bit before the break about doing things at so many miles. Uh-huh. Now, I don't want to give the impression that, that you not... don't pay attention to that. Exactly. Because a lot of things today will wear out, will deteriorate, will go bad. Within a certain mile. Within a certain number of miles, and they will not give you any symptoms. Exactly. So I guess the whole premise behind that is at this many miles, change this part regardless. Mm -hmm. And that is viable for many things. Many other things don't fall under that category. In other words, you got parts that are strictly mileage related. For instance, a spark plug. It is going to fire so many times for every mile you drive. After firing so many times, the gap is going to road away, and it is going to be bad, and that is strictly mileage. It doesn't matter if 20 years passes. Right. If the car's not driven, the plug doesn't wear out. Sure. Now, other things like belts, hoses, chemicals deplete over time, more so than they do over the miles. Sure. It's kind of like a timing belt. I have seen timing belts. They say the belt has to be replaced at 100,000 miles. Well, this guy is a salesman. He puts 100,000 miles in one year. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't recommend ignoring that. But when we take that time belt out, it still looks like brand new. Sure. And it just, the miles don't really hurt it as, as much, much as the passage of time. Right. The seven years is what gets it. Yeah. Conversely, let's say we've got a person who does not drive their car much. And it's only got 30,000 miles. But it's, but it's nine years old. Right. That belt is so cracked up that it's a wonder it made it into the shop. Mm-hmm. Every, I've seen those. <laughs> every time I've seen a belt break, it's always been because of the time that it passed and not because not of the mileage. I'm not the saying the mileage wouldn't do it. It could do it. But there is the two recommendations mm-hmm. there. So you can't go over the 100,000 miles, but you also can't go over the seven years or whatever your manufacturer states that belt is going to last. Sure. Some are different. Some are seven. Some are a little longer. That's right. So, you know, some wear because of miles, some wear because of time. Others are a combination of the two. Sure. And it just depends on how the vehicle's been operated. How it's been operated, the conditions under which it's been operated, and how it was manufactured, what it was designed to do, how long it was designed to last, and all those kinds of things. The point is, the only way to know these is by a competent general inspection of the car. Sure. So, rather than trying to 
tell people, well, at 30,000 miles, do this, do, this, this, right. this, this. At 6,000 miles, do this, 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 this. Now, I realize that makes standardization, makes things easier. You've got one little chart of things. The car comes in. It's got this many miles. You do these things. You check it off on the list. You hand the guy the car back. You charge him X number of dollars. The advantage is you can quote him price up front. The advantage is it's real easy for the tech to do. It doesn't take a whole lot of thinking. doesn't take a whole lot of checking. He's basically a set of hands. Right. And I know that's very profitable to sell. However, it it's doesn't not, really do the yeah. customer. It's not in the customer's best interest. A good deal of, of good. Yeah. yeah. Let's say, for instance, the air filter. Some maintenance schedules may say 60,000 miles on an air filter. Mm-hmm. But if you live on a farm and you drive a dirt half roads. mile up a dirt road to get to your place and yeah. dust and then they're out there plowing the fields, churning up dust, that air filter is probably not going to make 20,000 miles. No, if it, if it makes that. If it even makes that. So just... Say set that at sixty thousand miles is sort of ridiculous because it, one guy's operating under extremely dusty conditions, the other guy is just driving down the highway. His may go eighty thousand miles. Sure. Who knows? And that's just the case with almost everything on a vehicle. We mentioned brakes before, and I don't know. In the last three or four vehicles that I've owned, I don't know if I ever changed the brakes on any of them. Well, you stay in the highway all the time. Now, I'm, all my Always. miles of highway driving, yeah. when I get in my car, at very least, it's 75 miles at one time sure. from Baton Rouge to New Orleans. I hit the brakes once when I leave Baton Rouge. I hit them again when I get to New Orleans. Right. So Ideally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had, let's see, my, my pickup, my Chevy pickup, I know those are original brakes. Yeah. Yeah, that truck's uh, got, uh, what, 80,000 miles yep, on it? Yeah, original brakes on still look like new. I've got the Buick. I had about 200-something thousand miles on those original mm-hmm. brakes on it. The vehicle before that, I don't recall which one it was but yeah it was my land cruiser yeah and and i don't think we ever put brakes land cruiser notorious for eating brakes i don't people go through brakes in twenty thousand miles on a land cruiser because they're heavy yeah and if you're an aggressive driver they need up brakes yeah that one had over two hundred thousand miles and i think it was original brakes mm-hmm. my present camry we check them every so often eighty thousand miles still look sure. like brand new well i got an 06 silverado and some vehicles just the brakes last on they do and the Silverado is one of them. That's right. I mean, I, I think I had right at 120000 mm-hmm. on the original set of brakes on that right. truck. And that's mostly in-town driving. Mostly in town, sometimes pulling a big, heavy trailer. Mm-hmm. That's right. But it, And a lot of that has to do with the way you operate the vehicle. A I lot mean, of it does. You take a lot of load, uh, a big loaded trailer, say, I say big loaded trailer for me would be 3,000 pounds right. behind a half-ton pickup truck. Right. You drive it responsibly, reasonably. You're not going to wear the brakes out that fast. No, no they're even they're, pulling that kind of load. They're going to hold up to a lot of use. Now there are some people that can burn up a set of brakes pulling that kind of load in twenty thousand miles. Oh yeah, absolutely. But well, you know, myself, I see the red light up there. Uh huh. I am going to let off the gas and coast up to the red light. Oh yeah. I don't need to power up to the light. But the guy on the side of me, he come up. He's doing forty miles an hour past me and ten foot from the light. Yeah, his brake. Yeah. it's rocking back and forth, back and forth. Right. From, from and I said, you know, if you, if you knew we'll stop in that car, you wouldn't drive like I, that. Exactly. Because I see that stuff every day. I know, and I don't drive like that. <laughs> but that's the kind of guy that need up a set of brakes in twenty thousand. Well, miles. that's right. Another one will be, let's say, you live in Colorado or you live in Tennessee, sure. where there's in a the lot. Mountains. Of, yeah, in the mountains. Well. No matter how careful you are, you're coasting down this mountain. And, and you're picking up speed. Yeah, if you let off and, and put it in neutral, you're going to gain speed. Sure. I mean, I've, I've tried that before where you just let off the gas completely and the car starts accelerating. Right. Because the weight is going downhill. And 
if you ride your brakes all the way down that hill. When you get to the bottom, they will be smoking, and they will have warped rotors. Right. And they will be extremely hot. Well, they get hotter and hotter and hotter because they can't give off the heat. And brakes are designed for intermittent use. They so are. You, you apply the brake, you slow the car, and you let off, and they, they sit for it. they got a duty cycle. they got to sit for a while to cool yep. down. But if you're sitting there with your foot on the brake pedal all the way down the hill, what I try to do is to downshift my car into a lower gear and, and let, let the engine transmission break the engine. It. Of course, that does put some wear and tear on your coast clutches that you don't want to have to do. If I have to brake, I try to go ahead and brake the car down to an acceptable speed, let off, let it coast, even though it's regaining speed, give those brakes time to cool. Right. Don't just sit there with your foot on the brake. That may be convenient, but that is not going to be good. Let's say it's a 70-mile-an-hour speed zone on the interstate, and your car gets up to 75. Well, what you would do, i go ahead and brake on down to maybe 60, because I know it's going to continue to let off, let it go back on up to 70, 72, 75, wherever, and then brake again, bring it back down. And it's just much, much easier on the brakes to give it a cooling period in between. Exactly. But these are all ways to make your brakes last a whole lot longer, make all your front end and suspension parts last a whole lot longer. Sure. And not, it actually makes the other drivers on the road last longer. Because <laughs> <laughs> you hadn't given them all a heart attack. That's know? it. That's it. <laughs> We're going to take our second quick little break. We'll be back in just a minute with a whole lot more. I've been so tense lately. Can you recommend a masseuse? Oh, have I got a massage guy. Johan Thundercloud. He's Swedish Native American who uses classic deep tissue massage with natural healing methods. That sounds interesting. His deep tissue green pine cone massage is amazing. Along with the piercing eagle claw technique. Working your muscles with a rhythmic screech. When you hear that, you know it's working. I bet. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, check out the team at Agco Automotive. We keep it simple with high-quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And don't forget about Agco's general inspection, an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so your car will perform for the long term. One thing, though. Do you bleed easily? What? Johan will want to know. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And if you got a question or a comment on the show, give us a call. It's 291-6901. And that's what Mark did. Good morning, Mark. Thanks for holding. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, hey, how you doing? Doing good. great. Good, good. I'm on a holiday, and uh, basically we were driving from London to Scotland. Okay. Um, got about halfway on the motorway, I guess you call a highway, mm-hmm. and the battery light came on on the dash. And I immediately thought, oh, that's not good, alternator. So we pulled over as soon as I could, um, called the breakdown service. Uh, basically, long story short, had to get a new alternator. We were very, very lucky that I managed to find someone who could fix it first thing the next morning. So we were able to stay in a hotel and carry on. But I was just wondering, is there anything I could have done preemptively to prevent that from happening mark is probably not other than keeping the only two things you can do with an alternator that will help extend the life of it number one is to keep the battery well charged alternator is not considered a battery charger it's a battery maintainer if it's got a good healthy battery it can maintain it but it's not going to charge a bad battery some people push their battery past three years and that's great for them but 
you know, the little bit you save on the battery, you're taking a way bigger toll on the alternator. Second one is the belt. If the belt is not tight and the tensioner is not good, it tends to slip, which generates heat, and that helps to kill an alternator. Do you have something else, Brian? I do. One other thing that just occurred to me is keeping a good connection from the cables to the battery. Right. Don't let those cables get corroded or or loose. Make sure that the connection stays good and tight. That will help the alternator because if that alternator, you know, it's like Lewis was saying, it's a maintainer. If it doesn't see that battery in the circuit, then it starts doing different things, thinking the battery's going dead. It may ramp the charge system up wide open. Overheat the alternator. And overheat the alternator. Right. So, I mean, the other side of the coin is to replace it at so many miles. But But, that's just so unfair because so many alternators last the life of the car. They do. And they're not inexpensive. I mean, I was going to say, this one did... 15 years and 105,000 miles. Yeah, sure. That is pretty good for any moving part, but I don't believe... There are parts that I do believe in changing preemptively. The battery is one of them because inexpensive, and we know for absolutely certain, the average age of the battery is three years. It's going to die. Right. So that, yes, but alternators, I've seen many, many, many of them rest the life of the car. Well, I've got a... My 06 Silverado still has the same, the original alternator on it. Right. Well, my 02 Chevy pickup. 165,000 miles. Yeah. Yeah, mine's, what, 18, 19 years old, still got the original alternator. So I don't just preemptively change it, but you do have to know that... I mean, the only other thing you can go in, possibly have a couple of tests done on it. You can look at the brushes with an oscilloscope, make sure the pattern is good. You can do a load test on it. You can do some certain things, but it's one of those parts that is going to go out at some point. I mean, you can keep a good battery in. You can put a belt on it. Like Brian said, you can make sure the connections are good. Beyond that, it's, it's pretty much just a part. I mean, you can't start changing every part because I remember a guy asked me one time, he said, I got this many miles. Should I change this? I said, well, why? He says, well, you know, because it's old. I said, well, every part of your car is old. You know, the window motors are old. Mm-hmm. The trunk latch is old. Yeah. Every part is old. So you just start changing every part because it's old. You have a new car pretty soon. So you got to kind of yeah, use some reason. Like, yeah, it sounds like I just got unlucky, huh? Yeah, yeah. Just, just one of those things, you know. I mean, I mean, if you're if you're really really that concerned about it, you could buy an alternator and keep it in the trunk. You could, you know, and, and <laughs> change it when it goes bad. Yeah, I've I've seen people do that. Yeah, yeah, some people do yeah. that, but. Again, you know, yeah, but I mean, you got to get out. You got to have space for almost everything on the car as well. Right? Isn't that true? Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly, exactly right. A pre-trip check probably would have caught that that it was going out because it probably didn't just fail that day. Probably the brushes were starting to do some some things you might have picked up on. May have failed a load that test. Load test may have failed. It may have had a diode that was going bad. It's right. got six diodes. If one of them goes bad, you really won't hardly know it. So it's possible a competent yeah. shop would have caught that on inspection. But then again. Yeah, you know, I've, I've seen individuals go to the doctor, have a complete physical, and drop dead a week later. You know, it's just yeah. just, just well, one of those things. Just the way it goes. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, yeah. Sometimes it is. Can't, can't always be prepared. Have you got time for one more? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, after I got the car back, so I, I also put a brand new battery in it when the alternator was good changed, idea. That good. Seemed like a good idea. It was, mm-hmm. it was three years old anyway. Yep. Uh, the breakdown guy said it had been ruined. And after I got after I got the car back, uh, the driver's side window controls didn't work anymore yes. and i know there's a relearn crystal, there is which i i thought i thought i knew what it was i thought it was you hold the driver window lever up and then you do a full down and up on all of the other individual windows I'm now that's what i've done in the past and it's always worked mm-hmm. i did it this time and although it worked after i'd done it i tried to put the driver's window down it went about halfway and stopped and i was like oh dear and i tried to put it up again and it didn't want to move after a few minutes, I left it, and then it worked. 
and it's been working fine since. And I have a sneaking suspicion that holding that switch up has sort of overheated the motor. Yeah, that's what I would say. Particularly if it's an older motor and it's starting to get worn some, they will get hot. When they get hot, they, they kick out and right. quit working. Particularly when they cool off, they'll start again. One last thing, I don't know if you were listening, a few weeks ago we talked about cleaning those tracks around the window and putting a little bit of light silicone lube on those tracks. That will extend the life remember, of those motors. Yeah. yeah, that'll extend yeah. the life of that motor immeasurably. So make sure all your tracks are good and clean because that'll definitely overheat it. And if it overheats, it's going to kick out like that. So if the window's up and I'm holding the switch up, that's basically telling it, it the motor's basically engaging, but it can't move. That's correct. Right. So is it possible? Is it possible I've got that relearn procedure incorrect? Because you had to hold that for quite a while to do all three of the other windows. I would, I would have to look it up. I would have to look it up. I'm not sure. That is the procedure on a lot of the Toyotas. I'm not sure on every single one or Lexus. But I'd have to look it up to be certain. But I think if as long as you run it all the way up and hold for just a split second, it's done as good. I don't think you have to sit there and really hold it for an extended period of time. Oh, I thought you had to hold it while you did the full open and close on not, the window. Not that I'm aware of, no. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I that's think it's just the, the fact that it runs up and down, and usually that's only on the driver's window because yeah. it's the only one that has the express down, unless yours has express down on all four windows, which some of them may, particularly a Lexus. Yeah, so I have the I have controls for all four windows. On yeah, the but the express cars. down is where but you push the button it. and let it go, and it keeps going down. Yeah, no, it does that on all of them, but it only okay. does it on the other three after I've done the reload procedure. Yeah. So if, yeah. I, if the battery is disconnected, that doesn't work straight away. Yeah, normally it all triggers off the, the drivers. I've always just done the driver's front, and all, they yeah. all work after that. But I'm not going to say there's not one out there that that's different, because there's so many different variations in that stuff. Okay, that may be the case. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think I got it on the forum, so who knows where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> who knows, huh? Yeah. Yeah. We managed to avoid running the holiday anyway, so all's well. Well, very good. Very good. Well, Mark, I sure appreciate you calling, man. All right, guys. Well, take care. Have a nice weekend. You bet. Thank you. You Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, that's Mark Wilder, my boy from London, England. You can call uh-huh. from London, England. You, know, you can darn sure call from Baton Rouge. How about that? Huh? I, hey, that's right. I'm going to put a shame trip on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we, we want somebody from Baton Rouge calling in here. There you go. That is a good point. And, you know, that brings up kind of what we were talking about today with maintenance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a battery in my opinion, is a consumable item. Sure. It's only going to last so long. If you look at all the statistics, batteries will last, on average, three years, slightly less in the Deep South because it's very hot here. Right. So when I get to three years, that battery's coming out. Mm-hmm. If it's still good and you want it for your car, come by the shop. I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not going to stay in my car yeah. because I don't like being stranded. I don't like getting up on Saturday morning, going out there and goes click, 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 click. I'm going to preemptively replace that battery. Well, sure, while it's convenient. While it's convenient for me, while I'm at the shop. Sure. So not only that, but I'm going to cut the wear and tear on my alternator, wear and tear on my starter. Well, and you also have the choice of selecting the battery you want to put back in That's that right. Vehicle. I'm not on the side of the road, the road somewhere service. where i got to take whatever they bring me. Right. Road service is going to bring you a battery. And, yes, it is a 12-volt battery, and, yes, it will crank the car. And it might even fit in the car. It might. And, you know, we were talking today about maintenance and different, uh-huh. different miles. That brings up a point that there are a lot of things that are not going to appear on your maintenance schedule. That, that's fact. They just don't. A battery doesn't appear on any maintenance nope. schedule I know of. Nope. But it is possibly in your best interest to replace this before it fails on sure. you. Sure. Know, like in Mark's case, the, the power window didn't work. There's right. a relearn procedure in that. Right. 
when the battery goes dead in a vehicle, you lose all the learned memory, the learned idle. Which is inconvenient. It's very inconvenient. At least. It may spoil your trip. Sure. Very possible. But, you know, there's lots of things that do not appear on that maintenance schedule that may or may not be in your best interest that you can really learn by having someone do a good, thorough general inspection on your car. Yep. For instance, a radiator does not appear on any maintenance schedule for any vehicle I have ever seen. Not that I've seen. However, they are made of plastic. Right. Average life, 10 10, 10 to 12 12 years. If I'm doing a general inspection on your car and I said, hey, Brian, come see. You see these little cracks in this plastic? Yeah, the spider web looking yeah, stuff on the tank. It's not leaking right now. It's but going this, to. It's going to. This sure. is going to go out. It's going to probably go out at the worst possible time. You know, Saturday morning, yep. daughter's getting married. You got your tuxedo on, and you go there, and boom, radio blows out. Right. Well, that's not real convenient for me. It yeah. just doesn't work for it's, me. I'm going to replace mine based on inspection when it needs to go, well, even it's real, though it's not on a maintenance schedule anywhere. It's real convenient to do it now that it's in the shop. Well, that's right. Another thing that only appears on a handful of maintenance schedules, that's brake fluid. Mm-hmm. You know, Honda's real big on they are. requesting that. Some of the European cars are pretty big on plastic, but most American cars are do not, not ever recommend changing brake fluid. Nope. And now, you, we know that it contaminates. Well, it does. And, you know, we were speaking earlier, some brake sets can go right. 10 years. Well, generally, the fluid gets replaced when the, the system is serviced with new pads and stuff. But if your car, you're, you're like me, and your brakes go 10 years, 10 years, 15, 20 on. years, you've yeah. got to change the fluid at some point in between. If not, you're going to have a contaminated system that's going to eat up your cylinders. Exactly. Hey, we're going to take another last quick little break, but we'll be right back with a whole lot more. TJ, I've been looking to tone up, man. You have a personal trainer, right? Yes, I've got the guy, Mr. Miyago. <laughs> He's going to teach me how to wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyago's no joke. Oh, sorry. He begins by filling your shorts with wet sand to provide weight resistance and enhance focus. Then launches into a series of drills like crouching tiger, hidden badger, fire monkey, flogging duck, and highly agitated dragon. Sounds kind of extreme. Yeah, bruh. Extreme results. Everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for the right automotive guy, it's Agco Automotive. We make it easy. Quality repairs and a staff you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, you get an annual checkup to diagnose problems that could cost you down the road. You will need to sign a waiver stating you are not allergic to pig intestines and live geese. I think I'm just going to hit the gym, TJ, but thanks. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech and general manager, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. I always put in the lead tech because people yeah. are just two management guys sitting there talking. <laughs> <laughs> so I am an ex or former uh-huh. technician. Brian right. is a current I'm, technician I'm still, and a general manager. <laughs> got I'm two still, hats to wear. Right. So we'll answer any questions you might have. Still got a few minutes. If you want to give us a couple of quick calls, 225-291-6901. That is it. We're talking a little bit about maintenance items and doing things and knowing when to do things uh-huh. and such as that. And we were talking about how some items are just not on the maintenance a, schedule. A maintenance schedule. And one of those, you know, car manufacturers like to have limited items on their maintenance schedule because companies like Consumer Reports and all that, people who rate and rank these. They look at that. That other people take advice from. One of the things they rank them on is how low their maintenance is. Mm-hmm. Oh, this vehicle doesn't require any maintenance at all. Okay, well, that sounds great, but 
all they've done is taken a lot of things that used to be serviceable and made them non-serviceable, take them off of the schedule, and that's fine if you're going to keep your car for 100,000 miles which, or less. Which is what is desi- actually designed well, to last. That's right. When they go to that engineer and they say, how long can we push this transmission fluid? Uh-huh. How long has the car got to last? That's his first question. Yeah. 100,000 miles. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It'll do that. But what so, you don't hear is that if you don't change it before that, when you do get to 115,000, the transmission goes out. Sure. And they'll tell you stuff, well, it's got lifetime fluid in it. Well, it is lifetime fluid because whenever it goes out, it's in the lifetime of transmission. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like these lifetime subscriptions you get with software. Uh-huh. It's a lifetime subscription until, until it discontinues the software. Right. Well, your lifetime's over. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same, same sort thing of with a car. Absolutely. And manufacturers make no bones about it. They do want you to be happy right. to a point, but they also want continuing perpetual income. That they do. And that yeah. comes from selling more cars. Sure. doesn't come from you keeping your car for 200,000, 300,000 miles and not having any problems with it. That yeah. does not happen. And see, they hate me. Yeah, me you, too. You too. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, not only do I do that, I tell everybody else I'll do it. You know, so they really they wonder yeah. they got a contract out on me. Man. It's a wonder. <laughs> but yeah, the point is, if you are going to drive this car, run the snot out of it, you do the maintenance that they require, uh-huh. it'll probably make a hundred thousand miles sure. pretty easy. Sure. After some that do. point, most do. You're going to have a whole, whole, whole lot of issues that, in some cases, non-repairable. Well, and we're we're seeing that with uh, engines right now. Oh yeah. They're running extended oil changes, running oil changes out. That oil, they've got it doing so many different things now. Right. Uh, most of the top ends are, are coming apart. Well, yeah. Well, you and know? one of the favorite calls we get and one of the favorite email I get is about the engine management system on the Chevrolet trucks and all the yep. displacement on demand. Oh, can I delete this? No, you cannot delete it because it is protected under the Clean Air Act. Right. And the going EPA there and mandate. turning it off is up to a $10,000 fine for the first occurrence. Sure. So, no, you can't just delete it. It's part of the car. The other side of that coin is, if you are going to change your oil like GM recommends, which right. is going 10,000-plus miles on it, you're probably going to have a problem with this system. Sure, we're seeing them drop at 80,000 miles now. Oh, yeah, but we've got a fleet of trucks that all will use that same system. We maintain them based on mileage and all right. that kind of stuff, and we hadn't seen trouble really out of any of them. Nope, not at all. So instead of trying to do something illegal to cover up a problem, just address the problem. Change the all based on your mileage and the way you drive the car at a much more reasonable interval and prevent the problem. Right. You won't have the problem. You're going to prevent this issue. Let's go back to the phone lines. We've got Wallace on the line. Good morning, Wallace. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. Um, Listen, you talk about alignment and maintenance and Mm -hmm. all of that. Yes, sir. What do you think about, I had it the other day, where you drive up to a service bay and you drive over these sensors and they'll tell you what your alignment is. Do you think there's any accuracy to that? No. Like we had that we had that system yeah. about 35 years ago and we found so many flaws with it, it we just, had to it, take it out yeah i just finally took it out because it was taking up too much space in my bay those are designed to sell alignments exactly is what they're there for <laughs> you could probably go to a competent alignment shop get your car aligned don't tell them just go there and they're gonna run over and say you need alignment right yeah it's a sales had, gimmick those yeah, machines some years ago um, well to me, I remember there used to be a board they would put down, right. kind of like a Ouija board. On right, it. I guess you so. drive over <laughs> it, and it would indicate your tires are pulling this way right. or that way, but right. they'd only do one side at a time. You right. Know? So, but, well, I might have to be giving you a call and let you all double-check now. that the yeah, Well, you know, alignment okay. is really not a maintenance issue, Wallace. I mean, you need I alignment agree. when you need an alignment, but the thing is three, repair. three things it does. 
Number one, the car, if you let go of the steering wheel on a flat level road, it should track straight for a period of time. I mean, eventually it's always going to no. go one way or the other because the car is going to follow the road. But if uh, a reasonable amount of time, you let go of the steering wheel, it car should track straight. That's number one. Number two is that the tire should not wear unevenly one side or the other. And number three, your steering wheel should be straight and level when you're driving straight and level. If one of those three, any one of those three is off, then you got a problem. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it's alignment, but that indicates a problem with that area. Tire can cause a, uh, a pull one way or the other, or low air pressure can cause a pull. So it doesn't mean you automatically need it. It's just you need to go ahead and check something. But a car does not just routinely need alignment. I mean, I remember on my Land Cruiser when I bought it, I did alignment. Yeah. The, I always line a new car because I find they never really align properly when you get them. I set the alignment on. I put 200,000 miles. I never touched the alignment again. Um, my Camry, same thing. I checked it when I got it. I've never done anything again. I got 80,000 miles. And I did change my tires, but I really just changed because I wanted to put a set of missions on it. Right. Well, when you checked it when you first got your Camry, mm-hmm. was it true? Was it a good alignment, or did you have to realign? I think the toe was out a little bit on it. Toe was off a higher. It was yeah. pretty close. It was, close. it was pretty close. Yeah. They do a pretty good job with them, but I've seen brand new cars. I mean, you got to remember oh, yeah. when it left the factory, it probably was in alignment, but they bounced it onto a ship or bounced it onto a train, bounced it across the country. The kids snatched it down on the tra- yeah, transport truck. The kids that drove from there to the dealership was really, really careful driving to make sure it didn't hit anything, you know. I mean, I would always check it before, you know, I put the car in service. All the Another thing is the springs and all are going to settle in about 80% in probably the first couple of weeks of service. So I generally wait a couple of weeks to a month and then align it the first time. Because after that, they're, they're not going to change hardly. I mean, the old 20% will probably last 25 years. Yeah. Right. Well, like you, I, I go to New Orleans and back three times a week. Mm-hmm. And I can get on I-10 and let go of the wheel, and it, and it stays true. Yeah, you know? good. And yeah. I don't feel it pulling and all that. Yeah, this is good. So, um, and just keep an eye on, on, on the wire and make sure they're not wearing. Yeah, seemed to do that before they aligned it, too. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? So. Yep. Okay. Well, that answers my question. All right. Well, all right. thanks for calling, man. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. Thank you. We gotta go and get out of here. We're out of time. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service. Find a written view and fill it out for us, please. There you go. We sure appreciate that. If you can't find a written review on your podcast site, just go to the internet, just type in Agco Automotive and just give us a Google review. There you go. We appreciate that just as much. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.